evenings in the spring. I think it's only going to last for four weeks, so it's not like you're making a lifetime commitment to this group. You find out that you don't get lucky with the food and you don't like the people. Well, after four weeks, you don't have to go again, right? Address the mess. That's what we're talking about. We're doing this series in conjunction with uh, the gathering. They're also doing this series. It's one of our ways of partnering together. From time to time, we're going to do series together. I'm not sure that Pastor Jeff and I are going to be able to exchange. Our schedules don't work. We had hoped that we'd be able to exchange uh, Sundays, one Sunday. I'm not sure that's going to work in this series. But anyway, if you uh, uh, you can also catch this message on uh, on their. Uh, uh, on their website, and uh, we've adapted this uh, series from a series from North Point Church in Atlanta, Georgia, and Andy Stanley. Many of you know who Andy Stanley is. Uh, you maybe have done one of his studies before, read one of his books, but uh, this is a series he did, and we've adapted it for our own purposes. And it's amazing, you know, you get uh, two different uh, uh, pastors, uh, or three different pastors in this case, and we all kind of do it differently, right? Um, Pastor Jeff and I exchanged notes after we were all ready for this Sunday, and uh, his we're covering the same material, but his message looks a lot different than mine. So um, anyway, that's just to let you know that we, we're, well, that's what we're doing. So, well, one of the things Andy Stanley, he starts his message with, and I thought I'd start my message with the same thing, and then we'll kind of diverge into uh, doing it a little different way. He's much different than I am. So, uh, but he talks about where we get the phrase hot mess. That's kind of a popular phrase nowadays. It's kind of a new phrase, right? Hot mess. You know, so a person is a hot mess. Well, you know, that, that is not a new phrase. That, in fact, is an old phrase. It goes way back to the 1800s. Okay? Hot mess goes back to the 1800s. But it didn't refer to a person. It referred to a meal. As in, like a military meal. Like in the mess hall. So it was a hot meal in the mess hall. A hot mess. Get it? Good, eh? And uh, then it kind of got updated in the uh, in the 1900s. Got a little bit different, and it was still within the mili- within the military. It was used to talk about a situation that could get really, really um, dangerous. So it could get messy, and we use that phrase too. It could get messy. It could this could be become a hot mess, a messy situation, a dangerous situation. But now we kind of combine the two together in our modern day, in the 21st century, we refer, we usually refer to a person and we say that person, he's a hot mess. And kind of by saying, well, he looks really good, but underneath the surface, his life is a mess. Watch out for him, you know, or her or whatever. We refer to a person as a hot mess in that kind of way. But the concept of mess to us nowadays mostly refers to the idea that things are disorderly that they are not in order, that things are not in the right place, that there is, that there is uh, something that uh, needs to be addressed. And uh, life can be a bit of a mess. Well, what mess you say? Well, you could have a relational mess. You could be in, in a mess in your relationships with people. Oftentimes, the, the, our relationships and the, the status of our relationships with people is a real sign of whether our life is doing well or not. It could be a dating mess. It could be, you know, uh, a marriage mess that you're in. It could be your kids that you're having troubles with, and that makes your life <clears throat> a mess. It could be your in-laws that make, are making your life messy right now, right? My daughter-in-law just laughed at me. So um, you could be in a financial mess. Uh, a lot of people find themselves in financial messes, and uh, you could be in a financial mess, a physical mess, your health. It could be, it could be an issue with your health or, 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 or some goals that you're trying to, you know, you're maybe you're trying to get fit. You know, you know, you've kind of, you kind of, um, 
kind of let yourself go and you need to, you need to kind of get your life back in, in, in shape. Uh, literally, your body back in shape. It could be a habit mess, an addiction, uh, something that you find yourself doing repeatedly over and over and over again. You don't like it. You, you need to change it. It's not really the thing you want to be doing. It could be a legal mess. It could be a career mess. Some of us made our own messes. Decisions we made caused us to be in a mess. Uh, some of us were warned that a mess was to come. Maybe that marriage mess. Maybe your mother said to you, no, that's not going to turn out very good. And uh, it, maybe it was, uh, maybe, maybe you're a victim of someone else's mess. Maybe someone else has made some bad decisions and you find yourself in a mess because of the decisions they made. Maybe you married a mess. Who knows? Well, there's good news and bad news about the mess. The good news is the mess is our common ground. We all have messes in our life. We all have experienced messes. We've all, uh, we all will f- experience messes. Even if we've cleaned up our messes, you know, a mess happens again. It happens and it can be, be, you know, we're all just kind of one decision away from our next mess. The bad news is if you can't see your mess. Well, let me go back to the good news. I forgot one part. Uh, it's good news because we all have our mess, but our mess is also the place where we meet God. God is the place where we meet, our, our mess is the place where we meet God. God loves to come in to our mess. In fact, the whole reason why Jesus came is because we were in a mess. And Jesus came to address our mess. And so it's a really good thing when we recognize that we have a mess because it's a place, it's a point where we uh, can actually meet with God. The bad news is that if you can't see your mess, maybe you'll miss God. You might not find God. God may become very distant to you because you are failing to acknowledge the fact that there may be some messes in your life. You may feel like, oh yes, it was back in 1972. I gave my heart to the Lord and he cleaned up my mess and I haven't had a mess since. Well, that doesn't usually work out that way. If we think that we've, we cleaned up our mess once upon a time and we're never going to have a mess again and we don't have any messes anymore, then we're probably missing out in key aspects of our relationship with God because it's in the place of our mess that God wants to meet us. It's, a, it's in cleaning up our messes that we experience God. And this is why we need to look into the mirror and take a good look at where our own life might be getting a bit messy where there are some things that we need to address in our life. And uh, instead, of, uh, you know, instead of just you know, uh, pretending that there's not a problem, we have to, um, we have to deal with it. Well, we're going to invite you over this course of this series to uh, send in maybe some pictures of your messes. Um, and, uh, and I forgot to get all that information to have it up here. So maybe before the end of the message, someone could tell Liz, uh, if she's not in the room right now. Oh, no, she's over there. Nate, wherever Nate is, maybe he could get me a little note that tells me how people are supposed to get your pictures to us in your messes, okay? So if they don't see him, someone can find him and tell him, (laughs) I need some information. Okay, but I want to share some pictures with you. I told you about this last week when I announced about this series, so I'm going to show you a picture of our back lawn last year, okay? First picture. This, uh, okay. There we go. Oh, it doesn't show up so well on the screen. 
But you know, we have, we have a lovely backyard. We moved into our house a couple years ago, and uh, that, the people that lived in our house before, they really set up our backyard really nicely. And they had it professionally, uh, uh, you know, laid out. They had, they had a professional landscaper come in and, uh, and fix it all up. So there's about a third of our lawn is taken up with a pool. Another third of our lawn is taken up with a lovely stone patio uh, where, you know, we can set up our furniture and our, our, all that kind of thing. And then the other third of our lawn, our, our yard, is taken up with a lawn. And uh, the, and it's, it's a beautiful backyard. It's got great shade trees. But I don't know if you've ever tried to grow grass in the shade. It doesn't work very well. So we thought last year it was our first summer, uh, our second summer, and we said, well, we'll fix this. And we brought in soil, and we put it on top of our lawn, and we planted seed, and it started to grow very nicely. But I don't know if you remember back to last summer, but we actually complained about the heat last summer. Remember? It's hard to believe right now that we'd be complaining about the heat, but we did. We complained about the heat. Amazing. And it got got dry, got hot, and you know what? Uh, without, without the sun, without the, you know all the shade and that kind of thing, our lawn didn't do very well. Then, you know, we thought, well, okay, we'll, you know, we'll keep trying, you know. Um, but then we got, uh, this fall, we got a new dog. Last fall, we got a new dog. In October, Macy came to live at our house. Macy was this cute little puppy, little black puppy. She's a schnauzer, but she's a giant schnauzer. And for many months, um, <clears throat> Macy gained a couple pounds a week. All right, now she's about seven months old, and she stands about this tall, She's only seven months old. She stands about this tall, weighs about 70, 75 pounds. All right? And uh, she's been spending her winter out in the backyard in the snow, but now the snow has started to melt, and she found dirt. And she started to dig up our lawn. So let's look at our, pic- our lawn now. <laughs> All right? We got a mess on our hands this spring. All right, we just got a mud hole because the grass wasn't, you know, the roots weren't deep enough. It's not holding the dirt together, and we got a mess. And you can see here, we're trying to address the mess. We, we also have a trampoline and uh, for the kids. And so we, we kind of set out the trampoline this week and trying to look at it. And we're trying to make plans. We've got to address this mess. And uh, so we're working on that. And I'm going to give you some updates every week about our backyard and how we're going to address the mess. We've got some ideas. We thought of paving it. <laughs> Not seriously. But we have thought about artificial turf. That would be really good. That would be easy, no maintenance, but man, is it expensive. Right? Anyway, we'll address the mess. So if you have some messes in your life that you can share with us, then we'll tell you a little bit later as to how you can do that. But let's talk about how you identify your mess. Because we're not talking about just lawns. We're talking about deeper issues, right? And the Bible helps us to come to understand where our messes are and the things that we need to address in our mess, in our life. All right, Romans chapter 3 says this. Obviously, the law applies to those whom it gives, is, was given. For its purpose is to keep people from having excuses and to show that the entire world is guilty before God. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. Let's break this down, and I think out of this scripture, out of these few verses, in uh, Romans chapter 3, verses 20 to 23, we can, we can grasp a little bit about how we can understand what our mess is. First of all, 
Paul, the apostle who's writing this book to the Romans, to the church in Rome, he says, we're all under law. We're all under the same law, he says. Obviously, the law applies to those to whom it was given. The law is there to show us where our mess is. Now, there are different laws. We're all subject to laws in our life. We all have certain laws that, uh, that dictate that we evaluate our life based on those laws. You know, as Canadian citizens, we are, we are subject to the laws of our country. Every one of us, equally. We all have to obey the law of the land. We have to obey the law of our province. We have to obey the laws of our city, the bylaws of our city. We have to, we have to live according to the laws that are set out for us and our agreed social values together. There it is. Isn't he good? Give him a hand. You know, I mean, it's amazing that he's even awake. He was away this weekend, uh, Friday and Saturday with, uh, with 30 or so kids between the age of 11 and 13 or something like that. It's, I'm glad I'm not him. <laughs> all right. So we are all under certain laws. Some of those laws are like the laws of our country. Some of them are family expectations. Some of us have had expectations placed upon us by our families and what they expect us to do. And we are, we are held accountable to certain things maybe that our parents or that our, our, uh, our, our spouses have of us. So we are, we are, that's kind of like a law in our life. Our career expectations. You go to work. There's certain expectations of you. And uh, those, those, you know, there's, there's a culture and there are rules that dictate maybe the, the profession that you're in. You have to obey those things. So the law is there to help us. And to show us where we are, when we are living within the boundaries of success or not. Now, some of them are as, as, as simple as etiquette. Etiquette is a whole uh, series of rules that we share together, like, you know, saying please and thank you. No one says you have to say please and thank you. There's no rule written about it, actually, but we all expect one another to say please and thank you. Those are the kind of laws. And if someone doesn't say please and thank you, we say, man, what a rude person that is. Demanding, ungrateful. You know, we judge people based on the law of etiquette that is in our culture. Now, if we look at the more the deeper issues of life, like our spiritual life, our moral life, our ethical life, then we go to the Bible and we look at what that it says tells us there. The Old Testament has a lot of laws in it. They don't really they don't really uh, apply to us specifically in how we live our life. They were specifically written for the Jewish people in their time and in their place, and a lot of the laws there don't really apply to us anymore about how you know how we 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 you know, the things we eat and some of those things don't really apply to us, but there are still some really good things in that law that can show us where our life might be a little bit messy. As followers of Jesus, we follow the law of Jesus, as he set out in in the Gospels. So we look at things like the Beatitudes, where Jesus says, love your enemies, or where Jesus says, you know, um, says, you know, uh, if someone if someone hurts you, pray for them. Don't, you know, if someone's, if someone, if someone is, is out against you, pray for them. Don't retaliate. Don't get revenge and all those kind of things. Jesus' law is, is a different law than the Old Testament law and we are followed, we are under them. But even still, all of us, even if we don't, we don't know the Bible laws, even though we don't know the Old Testament or the New Testament, the Jesus law, we all have a conscience. And every one of us have within us a sense of right and wrong. The Bible says that God has written the law on our hearts. 
And so we all have a sense of what is right and what is wrong. And we can all, even, even just by that very bare minimum of law, we can, we can see what might be a mess in our life. We are all under law. Obviously, the law applies to all those to whom it is given. Paul goes on to say, for its purpose is to keep people from having excuses. You see, once you know the law, even if it's your conscience, even if it's etiquette, but if it's the Old Testament law or the Jesus law, it shows us we have no excuse because we broke the law. So let's say I was driving to church this morning. I was coming along and, uh, and you know, there's, uh, I, I often drive along Rideau Road and there's this little spot where it goes down to 60 kilometers an hour. There's one of those little, uh, those little light signs, you know, that tells you how fast you're going, and you get a little smile. I rarely get a smile. I get close, but man, is it ever hard to get down to 60 kilometers an hour on an open road like that, right? So let's say I get pulled over, and I say, and the policeman says to me, because they, they sometimes set a, a, a speed trap there, and, and he says to me, uh, you were going over the speed limit. And I say to him, well, you know, sir, I really tried. You know, I tried really hard to, you know, but it's really hard to get my car down to 60 kilometers an hour. It's hard to get it down there. And he says, well, there's no excuse. We posted a sign. We put that little lighted sign there that tells you exactly how fast you're going and you can know when you're doing well because you get a little happy face. (laughs) You have no excuse, Michael. And so I'm going to give you a ticket and you're going to pay for your transgression of the law. And that decision or that, that situation then leads to a series of other things. I have to go home and tell my wife, oh, I got a speeding ticket. Well, what did you do that for? I don't know. I just, I tried. <laughs> How much money is the ticket for? Well, what a waste of money. I could have spent that, you know, on new shoes or something. You know how it goes, right? There's no excuse. We have no excuse because the law exists. And so if we want to find out where our messes are, we just have to look at, at the laws that we have subjected ourselves to. Even if it's just your conscience, you will find that there are probably some things in your life that you're not happy about. There are some things in your life where you have lost control or where you could lose control. There are some things where, you know, I could say, well, I have a little mess in my life because I don't always obey the law of this, of this, you know, the signs on the, on the road. The purpose of the law is to show us where we have messed up. Now, it's not just you and it's not just me. It's all of us. Because Paul says, he says, it, uh, the law is there to show the entire world that we're guilty before God. When it comes to standing before God, the law is there that shows every person that we are, it shows every one of us that we are guilty before God. It's not just you, it's all of us. Uh, and that's comforting to know in some ways. It's comforting to know that I'm not the only one. How many, honestly now, would say that you have a hard time like on a place like Rideau Road where, there's, where it drops and there's lots of room and there's not... How many of you would honestly tell me this morning that you struggle with obeying the law like I do? Now, how many of you just lied and told, didn't put your hand up? <laughs> you just broke another law. <laughs> 
Your life's a real mess. It's comforting to know that not just one of us have this problem, not just some of us have this problem, but our life may be a mess, and that's just a common thing with humanity. We live in a fallen, broken world, and we face messes, every one of us. Now, like I said before, it's really dangerous for us if we think that we don't have a mess or if we're only ever looking at other people's messes. Because, you see, it's a lot easier to apply the law to someone else's life than it is to our own life. You see, it's a lot easier for us to stand there and judge someone else's mess than it is our mess. You know, it's, uh, we, can, we can actually hide our mess and we can, you know, point out other people's. And in fact, pointing out other people's mess, mess is actually a way of avoiding our own mess. Jesus said that religious people are particularly vulnerable, vulnerable to this kind of behavior because we can often be very uh, satisfied with the level to which we have cleaned up our own mess and we can become very, very critical of others by pointing out their messes. And that's a very dangerous thing to do. Because while we all have messes in common, it's not our place to judge another person's mess. It's our place to look at our own mess. People who focus on other people's messes are usually uh, unsafe to be around. We don't like to be around those kind of people. In fact, a lot of people, if you look statistically at the at, at society in, in our country and in places like the United States, and people are polled and they're asked, why don't you go to church? Why don't you attend a church? They, will, they, they probably, one of the reasons will be is because they'll say, all those people are very judgmental. They're very quick to point out my problems, but they don't really look at their own problems. Jesus addressed this amongst religious people all the time. He, he, he pointed this out all the time. He used a couple different metaphors to describe this. One metaphor he used, he says, you get, you get, you get obsessed with straining out a gnat, like a little flea, out of someone else's life, but you're swallowing a camel. You get it? You know, it's like, you know, let's say there's a little flea in someone's, you know, someone's drink. You say, oh, I gotta fix that for you, cause you have this little problem. But at the same time, Jesus said, it's like, it, it, the, it's like you're swallowing a camel. You're, you're pointing out someone else's small flaw, but you're not looking at the deeper issues in your own life. You're not addressing your own mess. Another way he put it was, another metaphor he used was that of a, a, a little splinter or a log. He says, you're, you're going around and you're looking for the speck in someone else's eye, the little tiny speck of dirt in someone else's eye, but you've got a beam or a log in your own eye. You can't see your own problems. And Jesus called these people hypocrites. hypocrites. He called them vipers, snakes. He had all kinds of names for people like that. And so we have to really be careful when we talk about a topic like this that we're not just thinking about other people, but we're thinking about ourselves. Because when it comes down to it, we can all take a look in the law, and the law is like a mirror, and we look in that mirror of the law, and we can see where we don't quite measure up. Whether you're looking at the Ten Commandments, you know, some of us say, well, the Ten Commandments, we should all obey the Ten Commandments, but almost all of us break the Ten, one of the Ten Commandments at least, from time to time. 
You see, the, the law isn't there to, to, to uh, fix us, but it is there to show us where we all have areas of our life that need to be addressed. And so it's important that we do that. Paul then goes on to say, so, so <clears throat> that uh, for no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. I think Paul here is warning us that we don't misuse the law. What's the purpose of the law? The purpose of the law is to show us we don't have an excuse. We don't have a reason to think that we don't have a problem. The law will show you, if you look at it like a mirror, the law will show you areas of your life that you need to address. But we can misuse the law if we, if we think the law is going to be our answer. You see, it's kind of like, you know, the speeding issue. It was, uh, it, it was, you know, putting up extra signs doesn't necessarily stop people from speeding, right? Having bigger signs doesn't necessarily stop people from... See, my problem with, you know, driving through that little spot on Rideau Road is not that I don't know that the law exists. It's not that I don't understand why the law exists. I know why the law exists. There's, it's, a, it's a residential area. There's a row of houses there. And, and it's not good to go as fast in front of a row of houses as it is in front of a farmer's field, right? There's a reason. I know the reason. I know the law exists. But I also know that law shows that there's a problem in my life. I'm using that just as an example. But we misuse the law when we hold the law up as being the answer to our problems. That way, you know, people will say, well, you just need to know the law better. You just need to teach the law more. You just need to, you just need to make people understand why the law is there. You know, just educate people. Just tell them why they're, you know, they're breaking the law. Just tell them more often. Hit them over the head. Hit them harder. Nag them. Nagging never works. My mother used to nag me a lot about things. That was my mother's way of, you know, kind of, you know. I'm she's a nice lady and everything. I love my mom, but she just had this way of nagging, you know. It didn't work. It doesn't work. And that's the truth, is the law does not work in making us better people. The law is not our answer to making us, to help us clean up our mess. It only reveals where our messes are. For one can never be made right, Paul says, with God by doing what the law commands. Newsflash, the law is not there to make you a better person. The Apostle Paul should know this. He's the one writing this, and he should know this because he was a guy that was, like, he was addicted to the law. He was a law kind of guy. He was a law and order kind of guy. In fact, he was so... Um, so zealous in his religious um, pursuit of what is truth and what is right that he would actually kill people that didn't agree with him. He was really zealous. And it was a confrontation with Jesus on the road when he was traveling one day. It was a confrontation with Jesus that made him realize that he was hopeless even though he was, he was, he was a keeper of the law. He knew that law in and out. And Paul says to us, out of experience, he writes here, the law has no power to make you a better person. It does not really address your mess. It's just the way we see it. Now, it's dangerous for us to neglect our mess because we all have a serious problem. 
with sin in our life, with issues in our life. We all fall short in the area of doing our best. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. It's dangerous to neglect your mess. There are two ways that you can neglect your mess. One is just by ignoring it, pretending it doesn't exist. You know, we could just ignore the mess in our backyard, but it has a way of, it has a way of bleeding into the rest of our lives because, you know, Macy, she digs up the backyard, she gets mud in her paws, and she tracks it in the house, and then we have a mess in the house. The kids go out and play in the yard, they track in the house. You know, it's just, it's just one mess leads to another mess. And so it's really dangerous to ignore your mess. It's also really dangerous to think you don't have a mess. It's also dangerous to, to not, never take evaluation, never take stock of your life and see the areas where you could improve in your, in your life. You see, messes don't clean up themselves. We all have, we all have messes to clean up. And there's probably some area of your life and my life where we could just do better. There's a little proverb in the book of Proverbs that goes this. It goes like this. Pride goes before destruction and haughtiness before a fall. Better to live humbly with the poor than to share plunder with the proud. You see, to sit, stand around saying, well, my mess isn't as bad as someone else's mess, because that's true. You can always find someone wor- with a worse mess than you. I'm sure I could drive around my neighborhood. Lots of houses in my neighborhood I live in Barhaven. There's a house, you know, like they were just every 30 feet apart, some of us, right? And we're all close together. I'm sure I could find someone's lawn that's worse than mine. And I could say, my, don't we have a nice lawn compared to that? But that doesn't do anything to help us address the mess in our backyard. That doesn't help us in any way to get more pleasure and enjoyment out of the life, uh, out of our backyard and the, the lifestyle we want to live and the things we want our kids to enjoy or our grandkids to enjoy and, and, and all the, the blessings that we, it doesn't, it, we, we, we're, we, if we ignore that mess and we just look at other people's messes, we are only hurting ourselves. We need to address that mess. And to stand around in a prideful way, just pointing out other people's messes is really foolish. It's better for us to say, you know, I have a problem, and I need some help. So we've been scouring websites. We, you know, we called the, the, you know, one of those weed companies to see if maybe they could help us. We've been calling to get uh, quotes on, you know, different kinds of substances to put in our yard. (laughs) Pave it, gravel, uh, artificial grass, sod. Sod company told us they were very helpful. They said, yeah, it will work for a couple of years, but because you have all these trees in your backyard, in a couple of years you'll need sod again. So then you have to compare the price, and you have to compare the expenses and all those kind of things and how to decide how you're going to do it. You see, it's better for us to take a serious look at the mess that's there because we all have areas where we miss the standard. You see, God's standard, Paul says, is a glorious standard. He has a really high standard, a very high standard a standard of righteousness, a standard of holiness, a standard of justice, a standard of peace. All the ideals you could think of in life, that's God's standard. You take it to the highest level, that's God. He's up there on top. And so he has a really high standard. And we all fall short. That's why the law helps us. That's why we we can evaluate and we can look at it. It all helps us to see that we have a mess. But there is hope for our mess, too. 
And the hope for our mess is spelled G-R-A-C-E. Grace. See, the next verse in Romans is this. Romans chapter 3, verse 24 says, Yet God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Jesus Christ when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. Grace. You see, God comes to us and he sees our mess and he doesn't want to, he's not there to judge us. If you go back into the Old Testament, you might, you might get a picture of God that would affirm that kind of thing. You say, well, God, he looked at people and he said they weren't behaving very well, so he sent a flood. Or he sent fire. Or he sent, or he sent, uh, um, an army. God, you know, when people were misbehaving, when they weren't measuring up, God, God sent judgment. Um, but that's not how God works today. And it's very clear in Scripture that that's different than how God works now because Jesus comes on the scene and we live in a different time and God is dealing with people in a very different way for whatever reason. We don't have time to get into that today. But God is dealing with us differently. And the way he deals with the messes in our life is through grace, through Jesus. That's what our whole celebration of Easter was about. And that's what we, we talked about last weekend is how Jesus took upon himself when he died on the cross, he took all our sins... And he buried them in the grave and he rose again to new life and our sins are gone. And so that's, that's, and it's mind boggling to think about it, about it, but that's God's remedy for the mess in our life. God says, he doesn't say, oh, go hide your mess. He doesn't say, go beat yourself up over the mess. He doesn't say, I'm going to beat you up over your mess. He says, come to me, all you who are weary, who are carry heavy burdens, and I'll give you rest. Come to Jesus. Come to the cross. I'll forgive your sin, and we can work on your mess together. So Jesus invites us into a relationship with him where he says, okay, what's your mess? How can I help? Comes over to my house, and he says, my, you got a little mess in your backyard there, Michael. How are you going to work on that? Well, I don't know, Jesus. What do you recommend? And that's, you know, I mean, that's just an illustration, but so many places in my life where Jesus has come and he's pointed out to me through the law, through, through reading the scripture, through what I've learned and all the different ways in life, and I've learned that there's areas in my life that are a mess. And I used to think oftentimes that, you know, I needed to hide those messes from people and from God because he was going to be very judgmental. I didn't really understand God's grace. But I've come to understand that when I have a mess in my life, I can go to Jesus and I can honestly tell him the mess in my life. And he says, okay, how can we work on that together? How can we, how can we make your life better? How can we improve on the mess of your life? How can we improve your relationships? How can we improve on these habits that you have, these bad habits you have? How can we improve on some of these, these things that you find yourself doing over and over again? I haven't talked to him about the, you know, the, the 60 kilometer zone yet. But I'm sure he'd say, well, Michael, you know, there's a way that we can work on that together. In fact, I can think of one way right now. He might talk to me. We might talk a little bit about patience. It's one of the, you know, it's one of the fruits of the Spirit. And I could really focus with Jesus on patience. He's not going to condemn me for my behavior. He's going to talk to me about how I can become a better person. And we don't have to do it alone. We can do it in community. 
That's, you know, that's what we're here for as a church, not to condemn one another, not to condemn people, but to, to, to be able to, to, to deal with the issues that we face and to help one another and to encourage one another. You know, with the, the, um, our back lawn, I'm grateful I don't have to deal with that all by myself. We live in community with several of our family members. We have six adults that own our house, so six of us are going to deal with this problem together. I don't have to dig up all that dirt myself. Man, that's nice to know. I've got help. I've got people that support me in life, and that's what we're here for one another for. That's why, that's the kind of community we're trying to build here at Parkway is a, a, a community of support and help where we don't have to hide behind masks and our religion. We can actually be ourselves and we can be honest about our messes and we can encourage one another in life. What, no matter what kind of our messes are, we can encourage one another without condemnation. So in conclusion... The first step in addressing the mess is to face it. Like our little video showed us at the beginning of the message. It's, it's humorous, right? The garage door opening, and we just want to close it, right? Because of the mess in there. We don't want to face that mess. I don't want to face the mess in my cupboards where I keep all the plastic stuff because it's all falling over, Right? I found an answer for that. You buy plastic that's all the same size and it stacks up nice and neatly. Square works better than round, by the way. Fits better. In the fridge, too. You address those messes. There's ways to address those messes. Now, you you know, I can't, you know, it's not very environmentally friendly because you could use all those little containers you get, you know, and reuse them, but they don't fit. They all fall out, right? There are ways to deal with our messes. You don't have to hide your mess. You don't have to focus on other people's messes in order to avoid your own messes. You don't have to face it alone. Jesus wants to help you with your mess. Your friends here at church want to help you with your mess. There's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. There's only help. There's only healing. There's only strength. There's only encouragement. We live in the era of grace, God's grace, abundant and free. So I encourage you to think a little bit about your mess. Do you have a mess? If you don't think you have it, you think you have no messes, you need to look a little harder maybe. But what are some of the areas in your life that you'd like to say over the next few weeks as we go through this series that you might say, I need to work on this mess. I need to, I, I, I really want to bring this mess to Jesus and I want Jesus to help me work on this mess. You can, you can just tell the Lord that this morning. You can just kind of name that in your mind. Maybe you'd want to do something just a little bit more. Our prayer team's going to be over here to my left after the service and maybe you want to go and just share with them a mess that's in your life and have them pray with you and encourage you. They're not going to condemn you. I can guarantee you no condemnation. Only love in Jesus. But take that next step. What's your mess? Now, if you have some pictures to share with us, I got the note. On Facebook or via email or on Instagram, we have accounts on Facebook and Instagram. We'd like you to show pictures of your messes, messes, with uh, your hot mess, with, uh, with a hashtag address the mess parkway. Okay? So address the mess parkway. There it is. 
Thank you. Email, Instagram, Facebook. We'd love to you to share some of your messes that you're working on. Uh, maybe not the real personal ones. On you know, that's not the use of Facebook and Instagram, but some of the funny ones like my lawn. You know, uh, what's the mess you're working on in your life? Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the promise. We thank you for grace that is given to us, Lord. We thank you that we can can we don't have to be ashamed or afraid. We just know that that we all, when we look in the mirror, we see things.